seven-yard touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Big Keith Trailer, look at him rumble. Utterpunks touching down for episode two, blitzing the NFL conversation just days away from the 2022 season, firing up no screen passes. We're going long. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. Touchdown! Let's get this going. Utter punts back with a bang. An NFL podcast made by UK fans of the National Football League. I'm a sports journalist and a Giants fan. I'm Liam Bradford and I've got two utter punts alongside me. Two men with a disturbing level of knowledge of the game for you. Dave Keane is repping the Minnesota Vikings down in Birmingham. Hello there. Yeah, looking forward to talking through some of the nice and wonderful weird upsets that we're going to get over the coming weekend. Uh, Only day. Fully used his telephone voice there as well, didn't we? Alongside me in Manchester is Ravens disciple Dan Horton. Sorry I'm late, guys, but you know, I'm 43. I've got a lot of shit going on. Hey, uh, we've got the big game previews coming up. Fantasy League advice. The lads debate their utter punt of the week. And we're going to think about where the value for money is in the games this week. Welcome back to Utter Punts. Right, we thought we'd start this episode with some headlines that have sort of caught my attention over the course of this week. We'll start with the new Steelers quarterback, the man that's replacing the man. How do you follow the man? Mitchell Trubisky has been confirmed as the starting Steelers quarterback for week one. It means that Kenny Pickett drops to two in the depth chart. Dan, what do you make of, of the decision from the Steelers? I don't think it's a great surprise. They, they, they like Trubisky all, all through the offseason. Although Pickett did well, I think, Trubisky did as well, if not slightly better in the offence. Their concern will be the offensive line and protecting a young quarterback early in the season until they figure that out. So it's not a great surprise. I I don't think it helps them or hinders them in any sort of way, really. I I don't really think they were contenders. I certainly don't think they are now. Yeah, I'll largely agree. I think once they get things settled down, then we might see Pickett come in. Certainly, if Trubisky struggles to get the ball moving uh, and Najee Harris will be able to rely on him a fair bit. But if he struggles to get the ball moving, then you can see Pickett being given a chance and we'll see how that goes. Um, I picked this one specifically to upset Dan uh, really more than anything else, but Lamar Jackson still hasn't signed his contract here. It's sort of lingering on in the background. Is there any danger that he actually doesn't stay at the Ravens? There's a massive danger. The Ravens aren't one of the teams that can overpay people or give people guaranteed money. And the problem they've got is if they'd have done this last year, they'd have probably got it a lot cheaper. With Russell Wilson's new contract in Denver, 240 million. With Deshaun Watson's contract, you know, whatever that you might think of that. In Cleveland, with Kyler Murray's contract, they've all been done this off-season. It's putting the Ravens under a huge amount of pressure. and He's willing to play under that risk this year. I think it motivates him massively this year. I think he's in... He, he, he could be MVP again. He's going to be so motivated to do well. But if he gets hurt, you know, he's going to struggle. And it's the chance he's willing to take. I'm not sure why it's one the Ravens are willing to take. But they've often lost key players, marquee players, and rebuilt. They've got a good backup. If it does go down, he played well last year. And I think that would be their plan. That they won't overpay for him. 
Uh, Dave, what's what's all this about the Dolphins? <laughs> so yeah, there was just a couple of tweets which went out there about Lamar potentially moving to the Dolphins, which he apparently liked. But the thing is about Lamar Jackson, and and this is the thing: he he had his mother represent him as his agent in the draft. He has resisted having agents involved in any of his business, and he's got to a point now where I think he feels he has enough command of the offense and, and command of the fan base that he can call a few shots. And I don't really blame him, but I also don't think he's going to hold you to ransom too much either, Dan. I think he will want to stay in Baltimore, ultimately. And I think that he's probably doing the smart thing at the moment, playing things out the way he is. Right, really quickly then, a stay or go from everybody. Dan, stay or go? Stay. Uh, Dave, stay or go? Nah, 100% stay. I'm going to go go just to be really annoying. No, I'm not. I'm not. I can't see. I can't see any reason why why he would leave. And the third thing that I spotted this week, my team, the Giants, have made the decision that the OC, the offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, is going to be calling the plays this season rather than the head coach. Brian DeBole. So for people that might be a little bit new to the NFL or people that don't necessarily know the nuances, is this unusual or not? I think it's ultimately very, very smart. So uh, Mike Zimmer, when he was the Vikings head coach, always called for plays on the defensive side of the ball and he obsessed over it and he didn't really understand the fact that he was meant to be a tactical general overseeing everything. I think what the ball's done straight away is to remove himself from one aspect of the game full time to make sure that he can stay in control of everything, defence, offence and even special teams. I think it's a really promising sign that he's looking at things as a tactician rather than as somebody who is just there to make sure that they shine and one aspect of the game works. At least that's the way I'm reading it. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd agree. It's a positive move. He can Kafka can spend more time with with Jones and and sort of build their relationship and build their conference together whilst Dable can concentrate on the rest of the team. The Giants have been awful in all three facets of the game for for too many years, and I think the fact that he's taking control of special teams and defense and really owning those side of the ball that that side of things I think could be really positive for them. And, and they're giving Daniel Jones a chance, probably his last chance. He's probably on a very short leash, but at least they're giving him a chance now to build a relationship and, and work in an offence that he's comfortable with. Beautiful stuff. That's the headlines this week on Utter Punts. Oh, just one more thing before we finish with the headline news. The Brit Bowl was this weekend. Dan, congratulations in order to Manchester Titans. Absolutely. And they, they, they were massive underdogs on, on the weekend. The, the London Warriors had been had won sort of seven of the last eight, I think, before COVID. This was the first Brit Bowl since COVID. It's full, full, full contact, but 37-7 to the Titans. Fantastic result and well done to them. Brilliant keynote to see, uh, you know, American football alive and well in the UK. Oh, very much so. Uh, lots of uh, teams started around the place. My, my nephew's playing for the Steelers, the uh, in his own local area not the Pittsburgh Steelers but you know these things one day. come and go and uh, who knows one day eh? yeah one day be nice brilliant stuff well done to them congratulations to uh, to Manchester Titans a massive win for them as well <laughs> Fantasy head-to-heads is where we're going next, gentlemen. We have got a four-team fantasy league that we're trying to, you know, big up on utter punts this season. And the first head-to-heads are out, ready for the start of week one. I'm taking on Dan. Kino's taking on producer Bell. And um, what? Well, look, given that you two are the specialists, <laughs> currently the projected scores put me and Andy Bell as the two winners this week projected scores um 
yeah, well, you know, all, good good luck. I, I presume, you know, you've, you've got your lineup set and that, you know, Bell's got Crosby and is his kicker and we're all ready to go, really. Just, just a quick note, I, I would just, anyone that is playing fantasy, injury reports will come out probably tomorrow, the first sign of things. So players like Drake London, players that have been on injured reserve, like um, J.K. Dobbins at the Ravens, for example, who's not really practised all season. Is he going to play week one? Is he not? You'll, you'll probably find out Wednesday or Thursday. If they're not practising at that point, they're, they're probably out for the week and you probably need to look at your, your, your team lineup to adjust. I mean, I'm quite fortunate that I actually know what my login is to the Fantasy NFL website. I'm not sure that producer Bell's got a <laughs> bloody clue, uh, A, how the app works, uh, and B, whether he's ever logged into it at all, other than to say, please auto-pick for me uh, in the draft. He's got to save him. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a massive, and I, I'm going on about projected points differentials at the moment, but Dan's already made it really clear that you've got to be a little bit careful with, you know, not really knowing the status of a lot of players as we go into into this final week. There is a rather large gap between the two sides, Dave Keane. Honestly, we'll see what happens. But I'm 100% confident that I will take away his 15-0 and predicted record <laughs> pretty much off the bat. And if, if, if I don't, what's he really achieved? He let the computer pick for him. He's, he's just sent me a <laughs> sneaky message saying, I don't need a login. I'm going to smash that brummy, is what he said. <laughs> Uh, I'll let you deal with him. I'm uh, not sure the projected starters has, has taken into account that Lamar Jackson's playing the Jets at home in week one. Angry. Um, I think that could be, a nice, to prove, it could be uh, over. Yeah, it could very much yeah. be over. Could, that game. Could I, I mean, you know, picking a, a quarterback who's in a contract year, who, who's, you know, after a big rise and basically <laughs> is already someone who has, has won the MVP. I'm quite confident that, you know, I got the best quarterback for fantasy football this year I'm pretty sure you feel that way as well Dan right I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback in fantasy <laughs> this year but we'll, uh, we'll leave that for another day <laughs> who got Josh Allen who do you think got Josh Allen was that producer Bell Did no we... I got him oh, you, uh, yeah you, you left him there after Josh. taking Eckler before <laughs> I know that yeah that, look that could prove, it could prove to be a stroke of Genius. No, I got Josh Allen and the uh, the future MVP Trey Lance, who Dave's a massive fan of. I was wrong last week, by the way. He he had more than 160 uh, college completions. It was 208 out of 290 attempts, something along those lines. So I think uh, I think your point still stood, Dave. Really, he's not, not that experienced. He's got a very well rested arm, though. We'll go down that route this week instead of uh, <laughs> attacking him for it. Clearly, no wear and tear there. He'll be fine. Okay, so that's uh, that's fantasy. Any other final pieces of advice for anybody that might be going into a fantasy draft this week? Anything that you want to say? Hank off the, the big running backs. So where you've got a running back who's predicted to make an awful lot of points, uh, have a look at who the number two back is meant to be behind them for the workload, not necessarily the part-time scat back who's going to play alongside them. Have a look at who's going to play if this starter is injured. Anything more from you, Dan, other than keep an eye on those uh, those Yeah, just watch, ju- just watch the um, the injury reports over the next few days and just see who's practising and who's not. If you, and if you've got any concerns, take them out because they're not going to... Uh, no team will play an, un- an unfit player week one. Right then, into the game previews. So this is how it's all going to work. Essentially, we've made a decision that we're going to give you in-depth previews of all of the games that you're going to be able to watch 
on TV over the course of the weekend. Now, this doesn't include Game Pass. This is specifically British television that you're going to be able to watch this on. So we're talking about the Sky Games here, which means we've got Bills at Rams. That's Thursday into Friday uh, or Friday morning, early Friday morning. Pats at Dolphins. That's a six o'clock game on Sunday. The 25 past nine game on Sunday is the Packers at the Vikings. Then we've got the Bucks at the Cowboys, which is overnight Sunday Monday and then the Broncos at the Seahawks which is the Monday night football game this week we'll start with the early one and we'll go to the latest one so that's Bills at Rams this one that's overnight Thursday into Friday this could be a real marker for the start of the season it looks to all of us potentially like the Bills are they're going to do some bits this season I guess the question for you Dave Keane is can the Rams contain the Bills' high-octane passing game or is it just too high-octane for them? So, interestingly enough, Jalen Ramsey has been tonight refusing to actually talk up the uh, the Bills, claiming that there's nothing special there. So, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. It's an interesting one. I like the fact that they're laying down Gauntlet like that. I think uh, in the preseason, Aaron Donald was swinging a helmet at, at the... Um, at a rival team after a practice scrimmage, uh, they'd only just played them in the in the Super Bowl, and uh, them and the Bengals had a little go at each other. Uh, and yeah, so all in all, I think the Rams are somehow coming into this season with a massive chip on their shoulder. Uh, it will remain to be seen if they're unfocused. If they're unfocused, the Bills will probably beat them. But at the same time, the Bills have had their issues this off season, uh, and it'd be interesting to see whether or not uh, Allen can connect with Diggs and. The there's other receivers on the Bills as well who I'm sure are going to play uh, a big part in the passing game. The Rams' corners seem to be an area that potentially the, the Bills could focus on, Dan. Well, they've got they've got Jalen Ramsey, but the, the Rams are a team that's, that's star-studded. So they've got they've got stars at every, every level, offence and defence. But around that, they've, they've got some very average players. They, they, they can't have stars everywhere. And last year, Ramsey did a great job taking away number one receivers and they were killed by number twos until they got down the stretch when they really sort of figured it out and the pressure really came from the front. For me, I think the... the when you talk about sort of can they stop the Bills, Bill Belichick's probably the best defensive mind in the game. And last year they played them three times. And on the third occasion, the Bills had a perfect offensive record against them. They, they scored the maximum amount of points they could have in that game. And that's against the Bill Belichick offense that's seen them twice already. I think the Bills have been waiting for this game since they lost against Kansas City in that shootout in, in, in January. I think they're going to absolutely destroy the Rams on Thursday night. Now, just finally on this, before we move on to talk about Pats and Dolphins will do a little bit of sort of where we think the the value is on this in just a second but the Rams didn't allow more than 100 yards on the ground in 13 games they went 11 and 2 in those games is that enough yardage for the Bills on the ground or do the Rams have a real chance here of of putting a blocker on the Bills running game I haven't got the stats in front of me but I don't I can't I can't remember the, the Bills having a 100 yard rusher last year Dave it's not their no, game it's, it's they, really they, isn't their game no ah. they, they've added James Cook they've Alan. added James Cook in the off season um, <laughs> yeah. who's Dalvin Alvin's Cook's younger brother, brother who looks yeah. Yeah, who, who looks really good but their running game is Josh Allen and, and the room that he creates with his legs what opens up the field for his, for his passing and I think I don't think they can stop everything. The Rams are great on the run because they've got well, they've got one of the best lines that I've ever seen. I mean, and Donald is a monster, but he's a year older. He's already got his he's won his he's won his championship now. I wonder what 
what condition and what sort of position he'll be in gate week one. I just think the Bills might just catch them off guard. I think that's right. a fascinating duel though, right? Aaron Donald versus yeah, uh, Josh Allen. It's a great way to kick off the season, isn't it? Like if you're going to put, yeah. if you're going to put a, a season opener on, let's put two good teams against each other and, and, and let them duke it out. Look, going forward, we've sort of mentioned that once we get to week three, we're going to start a little bit of a, train bet going and we'll see if we can find some value for you in the betting markets around there if you were to look at this game where do you think the value is if somebody was to have a little bit of a flutter is it that there's going to be pass completions because of how good the the rams are in at that run d or or where's the value chaps where do you think for me in this game the value would be in the in the points handicap and back in the Bills with maybe with some points and just turning the handicap around and giving them maybe a field goal because I can't see if they do lose the game I can't see it being more than one score in that or you know if you wanted to be really bold I would I would probably go the Bills losing you know giving away 10 points because I think if if the Bills win I think it could, it could be a, a, a very one-sided game value for me is in Cooper Cup scoring a touchdown anytime every I mean, time the Rams play <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all sort of it, it, nodding it, here and going yeah I can't yeah <laughs> can't can't disagree uh right we're rattling through it let's go patriots dolphins that's the six o'clock game on sunday kina how do you see this one going it's tricky bill belichick has had a very long time to prepare for a tour tongue by a lower offense now there is tyreek hill but it's bill belichick then you've got what's going on with the patriots offense I'm not quite so sure how strong the dolphins defense is going to be this year but they have Normally, a pretty stout defence. Over the last couple of seasons, they've been getting after things. Uh, they're normally good on special teams, but it's Bill Belichick with time to think. Uh, so I'm torn. Um, I I don't think there's going to be that many points in the game. Uh, I know that, Dan, I think you disagree on that, don't you? Yeah, I, I understand about the, the Belichick thing, but I just I don't think the Pats are very good at all. I think they're not better than they were last year. They've lost sort of key players. They've not helped Matt Jones at all. He's lost his offensive coordinator. He's gone to the Raiders and Josh McDaniels. He's got Matt Patricia calling plays. I, I, I can see the Pats not scoring many points, but I can see the Dolphins really busting the game open. It's going to be a lot of short stuff. We know that. It's going to be sort of very much catch and run, but you've got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill both flying down the field. You've, you've got a chance of breaking the game open and I can see the Dolphins going. I, I don't think it'll be a high scoring game. I, I think the Dolphins will probably take it 24-10 or something like that, but I think... I think the Dolphins are better than they were last year, and I don't think the Pats are. Patriots had a good defence last season. They are playing a side that also coughed the ball up quite a lot last season. If we end up with a sort of similar, where the Patriots defend well and the Dolphins cough the ball up, it could still be quite a one-sided affair, though, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, in that in that sort of instance, when when these turnovers and, and you got a short field, even you know some of the worst offences can score points, but that could. I mean, it's unlikely to happen the other way because the Belichick's teams are always so good on special teams that the Patriots and the Ravens are probably the, the best two and they have been for a long time. But if you're relying on the, the special teams unit to, to win you the game, I think it tells you how worrying the times are with the Patriots. It's weird talking about the Patriots as though they're not very good. I almost, I honestly, Dave. 100% correct and, and, and I, I could be wrong, but it's just one of those for me where it is Bill Belichick who feels he's got a point to prove. I don't know he doesn't think he's got a point to prove to such an extreme. He's kind of doing it by handcuffing his own hands behind his back uh, <laughs> by, by using Matt Patricia. Uh, is it Joe Judge as well there? Um, Judge, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and you look at it and you kind of go, is this Bill just kind of trying to show everybody that I can walk on water? Again, 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it feels like Brady's kind of one-upped him and uh, Belichick is, is kind of going, right, you want to see how good I am? Look what I can do with these guys. So... <laughs> 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 I think that's the point. Talking, like the Patriots aren't very good, Dave. I think that's the point, isn't it? That when you, if you, when you look at this matchup, if it wasn't, if it was another team dressed in a different uniform, it'd be really one-sided. It's the fear that we've been damaged by the Patriots for so many years that they're, they're obviously going to be good. But I don't think they are. I think they're a broken team. I we'll think see. I know <laughs> what Dan's going to say when I ask him where the value is in the betting markets here. You think that the value is potentially with the Dolphins by the same I mean, you could just back Miami to win. I think they're at home. They've actually got a cracking record against the Patriots, even when the Patriots are really, really good down in Miami. Um, but I, I looked at one today and it was the Dolphins just to score over 19 points, I think, was something like four to six, which I think is wow. at home. I think is a, is a great to put in with something else. Is, I think he's strong. Yeah, over 19 points. But whether they win or lose, I think to score 20 points at home, if they can't do that after a season with a new mastermind offensive mastermind coach and all the weapons they've got I'd be uh, I'd be disappointed Keno where's the value for you in that one it's, it's my under Daniel. 12 points and, in the game <laughs> yeah it's my with Daniel and and like I do respect what what he's done in the past at San Francisco as the offensive coordinator there but he wasn't calling the plays it's it, it's interesting it's Belichick against someone who's effectively a novice um, at play calling not a coaching he's, he's a very clever guy and I like him a lot but I just think that it's a tricky opener for him. We'll see. He might have something that Belichick's not seen before. It's difficult. For me, I think there is a little bit of potential value in, in taking the Patriots, who I think are underdogs, right? Yeah. Uh, look, there is only one place that Dave Keane's going to be at 9.25 on Sunday evening, and that is Packers at Vikingham. I and mean, he's not going to be there. He's no, going to be I'm watching not, from not. his house in Birmingham. Instead of giving you the floor, I'm going to let... Dan, go first so he can upset you and then you can answer. Green Bay, the Vikings defense had a bit of trouble against the run last season. I wonder whether there's a way that uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and that offense, the, the Packers offense, can try and make some inroads. This game comes down to game plan. The, 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 the Green Bay game plan won't be to pass the ball. It'll be to use Aaron, Aaron Jones and, and, and AJ Dillon and, and pound the ball and, and try and break the Vikings down. What, what the Vikings have got to do, and they've got a real chance to do it, is take that away from the from the Packers. Attack them early, try and get points up on the board. Last year's opening game, the Packers lost 38-3 to the Saints. Jameis Winston scored five touchdowns against them, and they blew the doors off, and the game plan for the Packers went out the window, and they had Devontae Adams then. They haven't got him now, and if they have to re- rely on... Rod, if they're behind and they have to rely on the passing game, that they'll struggle. So the Packers are, are intent on running the ball. I hope... I hope the Vikings take this chance to make their stand and keep the ball mobile and, and leave Dalvin Cook to the end when, they, when they're well ahead and try and control the game and take it away from Rodgers. If they do that, they can make a real statement here, I think. You've done some recruitment, Dave, to try and shore things mm-hmm. up. How, how's it looking? Well, we've got Harrison Phillips who, who's come in and we've actually switched uh, defences uh, to a 3-4, but we're going to be in nickel a lot, so it probably doesn't look that way when they're out there. But... We also have Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith uh, playing off our edges. Um, sometimes they'll, they'll put their hand in the dirt. Sometimes they'll be standing upright. Uh, sometimes they'll drop into coverage. It's been interesting to see the adjustment this offseason. I think this game comes down to exactly what you guys said. It's about stopping the run. But 
I really want to see Zadarius Smith sack Aaron Rodgers. It will be a wonderful thing if it happens in a win. It's pointless if it happens in a defeat, but it, it would be great to see Zadarius Smith and 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 Daniel Hunter teeing off together in Vikings purple. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. I think we've got a bit of a ground war uh, that's about to happen in Minnesota. Who's going to win that ground war is the big question. Betting markets-wise, where would you be putting your cash, Dan? The Vikings aren't favourites at home, which I find bizarre. Uh, I would that's take them. Nuts. Yeah, I would take them with a with a with a touchdown lead and wrap it in with a double or treble. I think I, I can't see the Green Bay blowing blowing anybody away with the uh, not at the start of the season anyway. So even if the Vikings do lose, it'll be close. But I, I think the Vikings are a great value and they've got a great chance. It, it's D- Dave's concerns about the, the, the aggressiveness of the offense, but I, I, I think with the new man, I think he's going to want to make a statement and head coach, Dave, and that, this is a great chance for you. Yeah, I, I think we're going to win. I'm probably wrong because it's Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers and you should always back with better quarterback. But they don't have a receiver. I feel like I, I, feel like I coaxed him into that. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really want to say it. I mean, to make the Super Bowl and lose, right? You've no idea how much I irritated uh, certain people around me, including my brother. Not happy with the Packers getting picked, not happy with the Ravens getting picked, until I explain my reasons. And we, we will... Did you explain your reasons with your fists, Dave? No. no oh, come on. I'm a man of peace, a man of karma. Um <laughs> I'm not, but the, 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 the thing is, <laughs> the thing the thing is, on paper we should win this game. Uh, they've lost Nathaniel Hackett. I think he could be a big loss for them. He, he's obviously yeah. gone off. He's going to be a head coach of the Broncos, and you can't maintain the, the winning percentage that Matt Lafleur currently has forever. It, it, at some point, it'll drop off with Rogers or without him. It's got to drop off just a little bit. Uh, hopefully, that starts off on Sunday. And I think the Vikings are going to be far more positive than they have been over well since 2017 when Teddy's leg fell off. Um, there's just been a change of motive. It's like he had his heart broken and turned into a bitter old man. So. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see just how much of a, a positive influence O'Connell and and the positivity that he's brought to everything has. So yeah, I went out of my way not to mention Kirk Cousins there, just in case <laughs> Dave went off on another mazy rant about the quarterback situation at the Minnesota Vikings, and somehow. Dave still managed to go on a mazy chat about the quarterback situation. I'm, I'm surprised I didn't get a mention in the past. Dolphins game, to be honest. <laughs> Against the Minnesota Vikings. Before we let Dave loose again about the quarterback situation at the Minnesota Vikings, I'm wary of time. And we've still got to talk about uh, the Bucks at the Cowboys and the Broncos at the Seahawks. So let's go Bucks at Cowboys. This is the overnight game Sunday into Monday morning. I know this is going to sound like a completely mental question, but Tom Brady starts this game, right? Yeah. Yes. 100%. There's, 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 there's no doubt. There's... There's absolutely no doubt he starts the game. It, we we spoke about it last week. I, my my view on Brady that it, it, it might take him three or four games this year to sort of get get comfortable and get going. He's done that for years at, at New England. They've had slow starts, two and two starts, one and three starts, and then it clicks and everything comes back into into line. Um, th- this game in you know when the when you looked at it probably in January, you'd probably thought this is going to be a real offensive game. I think it's changed over the off season. I think both offenses have. Have lost parts. Both offensive lines of these two have probably been the most decimated offensive lines in the game in the preseason. I think this is going to be really low scoring, and I, I can see Brady really relying on on Fournette, 
playoff Lenny. Um, they've got a new running back, Rashad White, who'll probably get some touches. They've got Giovanni Bernard as well. And the, we know the Cowboys are going to rely on Zeke because they've paid him a load of money and the, and the owner wants him to be in the game more. So with they've only got... The, the Cowboys are relying on CeeDee Lamb. The Bucks are really only relying on Mike Evans, but both teams have got really good secondaries that can probably take those players away and there's only one player. I can see this being really tight and really quite quite a dull game. The point line on this game is 53, which is, I think, obscene. There's a key battle in here, isn't there, in Mike Evans against Trayvon Diggs. It could be, that could be the key to unpicking the whole thing. Yeah, and, and if, if, if Evans is covered, then Brady won't, he won't try and put. He won't try and force it. He'll he'll just hand it off. Trevor Diggs had a good season last year, and it was a lot of it was interceptions. I, I, I don't think he can cover Mike Evans for a full game. I I, I might be wrong, but I, Evans will have his touches. I hope so. He's in my fantasy team. He's going to destroy Julian. But I think Brady will find him at some point, and he's a red zone absolute monster, and he's he's bigger and stronger, I think, than Diggs. And I don't think Brady will give him the opportunity to pick him off. Nothing I can really argue with there, uh, other than to say um, Russell Gage, is it? I think he was a wide receiver player for the Falcons last year who's moved over to the yep. Bucks, And it looked like the Bucks thought enough of him to cut Tyler Johnson, who former Minnesota Golden Gopher, who we took in the draft two, three years ago, I think, uh, the year before Rashad Bateman was taken by the Ravens. So maybe a little bit of interest in him, seeing what he can do. I also think that Diggs' coverage wasn't great last year. I love Stefan Diggs and and his and his brother, mainly for their attitude. They've got a little bit of swag about them. Sometimes as a cornerback, that can get you in trouble. There was uh, an occasion last year, I think, where he was covering Justin Jefferson, knew what the play was, so didn't bother to cover him and let Justin Jefferson run downfield, completely unmarked, um, uncovered, whilst Kirk Cousins didn't even look in that direction. So there's a, li- there's a little bit of a mischief to the Diggs brothers and uh be interesting to see what comes of it. Just finally, Julio Jones... With the Bucks this season, plenty of reports coming out of Florida that he looks like he's back to his best. He could be a massive option for Brady, couldn't he? He will be whilst God, whilst Godwin's out. I mean, Godwin's, I think, has uh, only just had the leg brace off, so he's, he's probably three or four weeks away. And if, if Hula Jones can add, just, add another potential target for, for Brady, it'll, it'll help him. Titans fans are going to pull their hair out if, if if Julio Jones has a good season with Tom Brady. It's going to be another one of those where the, the Brady year, factor, terrible, you know... Yeah, he's he's had glass hamstrings for a long time. Just the final point on the Cowboys: that their offensive lines are that bad. That today, I think they've signed a forty-year-old Jason Peters from the Eagles. They brought him pretty much out of retirement to come and strengthen up their offensive line. That's that's how bad their situation is. So they had a draft pick called Fulton yeah. Smith, I think, who they were training up as a left guard, and they were going to switch him to left tackle. So they must have abandoned that plan, having looked at it in in training this week. Yeah, right. Okay, let's move it on a little bit further, shall we? Let's go to the Russell Wilson derby. It is the Broncos at the Seahawks and Russell Wilson back to Seattle first game of the season. It's a bit too soon for Seattle fans. They'll they'll be smarting about this, won't they? I've got it written down here. In 2019, Russell Wilson, and I quote, I want to be a Seahawk for life. 2022, so this week he signed a new deal with the Broncos and guess what? He wants to be a Bronco for life now. Um, <laughs> Was he a boyhood Broncos fan? Is that? Yeah, he's always had a horse <laughs> in his back garden. Yeah, I, I've got a real beef about Russell Wilson. I think he's been on the decline for quite some time but and I just the character of the man just, just annoys me. I don't know what it is. This this whole persona he has. What was it Mr Mr. Incredible or something he was? He called himself Broncos Country. Let's um, ride. Broncos yeah, Country. Let's ride. Let's yeah, ride. It's just all it's all a bit much. But that that said, I, I can't think of a single thing the Seahawks do better than the Broncos or look better than the Broncos and this 
this has the hallmarks. It could be a bit one-sided. I think the Broncos have got the better defence, the better offence, the better special teams, the better quarterback, the better wide receivers, the better both better in both lines. They've got a better kicker. I mean... So Seahawks win then, yeah? But, but the, 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 the Seahawks, though, have got Pete Carroll and... <laughs> You were you were talking about the um we talked the Bill Belichick revenge story. I was just wondering Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson didn't get on for the last two, three years. It wasn't they were quite polite about it, but it was it was the allocation of merit, I think, was the problem there. I think Pete Carroll thought it was his responsibility and he should have got the praise, and Russell Wilson thought it was him. And Pete Carroll will have a chip on his shoulder and he can train up a defence of no names. He's done it before. This could be very tight, but I, I Surely the Broncos have got too much, haven't they? Opening day. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's just crazy. I mean, opening day. I mean, they, they, who knows Russell Wilson better than Pete Carroll? And I think their new DC is Chris Hurt, who has been within yeah. their own ranks for four years as well. They've, they've trained against him every day. And uh, he will know them as well. But it's just a weird one. It's so fast before. Russell's had a chance to get used to anything with his offensive line. He is a little bit of a strange human being as well. He, that, in my opinion, based on my observations of him during games, where I've seen him sitting down next to other players, turning around to him and saying, how do you feel? I feel okay. I need to feel better. Okay. For certain aspects of his personality, which he thinks are leading, which to me maybe aren't and I don't think the Legion of Boom uh, appreciated him either Richard Sherman certainly didn't appreciate him uh, I think that there's a whole thing about why he left the Seattle Seahawks um, Earl Thomas as well the, the, the least said about him the better so yeah well, it'd be interesting to see but everyone thinks the Broncos are going to be great everyone knows that the Seahawks are going to be bad but they're meeting on the opening day of the season in Seattle exactly is the Denver secondary good enough? On paper, yeah. On on, on paper, their, their defense is probably top five. But it's it's been on paper for the past two or three years, and their, their offense has been top five for on paper. Uh, they've not had a quarterback for, since since Manning left, really. But they, they've got one now. If but I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm not convinced by Denver at all. But I think I think Seattle have got Geno Smith starting for them. Yeah, that is true. I think we all know how we think Dan. Uh, thinks this game's going to go. Is this the most one-sided of the TV games for you? No, I think I think the Dolphins are the, are the most one-sided <laughs> game. Um, followed by the Bills, followed by the Vikings. But I, I think this will be a great game to watch because I think I think there'll be a lot going on in this game and it might not be a high score and it might not be the top-level football that we saw, sort of Bills, Chiefs, you know, in January. But this oh, could be a very interesting oh, game to watch. I think there'll be a lot happening in this. it would be a cracking mm-hmm. game this to watch, yeah. But I wouldn't go anywhere near it with anyone's money. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near it. There's your betting advice. And there's the two-minute warning, Hooter. Uh, right, what we haven't we done? We haven't done the Utter Punts, Utter Punt of the Week nominations. This is where, essentially, we pick out the biggest punt that we can think of uh, over the course of this week. Who's going first? Kino? In terms of our punt of the week, I'm not too sure. In, in terms of our punt of the off-season, uh, it will be the Cleveland Browns chair, uh, general manager, uh, Mr. Berry, uh, for the things that he has done this off-season. I'm not going to get into uh, any legalities, I, but when you cost yourself a, a franchise quarterback who's 100% committed to you and is available this season uninjured, as the Panthers are going to find out, okay, 
there might be limitations to Baker's game, but there certainly isn't any limitations to his heart, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how a lot goes. Uh, I'll go next. I'm going to go... I think I'm just trying to skip over that before we get ourselves into any kind of major legal issue. I, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears GM, Ryan Poles. He's lumped the entire franchise on a second-year quarterback in Justin Fields. That Chicago defence is an absolute shell of its former self and he's done sod all to fix it so Ryan Poles for me he gets my vote for utter punt of the week I wrote two down because I, I figured that Dave might go with um, the Browns theme one all I will say about that is that they're paying Baker Mayfield ten and a half million dollars to play against them week wow. one they're paying their own quarterback four million yeah, I'm going to watch that game I, I'm just going to cheer them on as much as I've cheered anyone on Saturday. right I'm going Mike Mayock former GM Ooh. of the Raiders uh, this week Alex Leatherwood was let go by the Raiders. He was their first round draft pick last year, which means the three in the in the four years that Mayock, the, the draft expert, as he was recruited as, in the three years he was there, he had three first round picks and none of them are on the team. One of them was Henry Ruggs, who he took over, Jerry Judy, CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson, and he doesn't play for them anymore. Alex Leatherwood's been cut. Absolute shambles. And wherever you are, Mike Mayock, you're in utter punt. Oh, lovely work, gentlemen. Lovely work. That's it. That's all we've got time for on Utter Punts this week. Just about enough time to say thank you very much to Dave Keane. Dave, thank you. Pleasure. And thank you very much to Dan Horton. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Always a pleasure. We'll catch you next week on Utter Punts, where we will be reviewing the first games of the new season. I absolutely cannot wait. If you want to get in touch, if you want to follow, if you want to subscribe, you can do that wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, Pass it on to a friend. Make sure you share it. Socials-wise, just search for Utter Punts Pod on Twitter or Utter Punts UK on Instagram. It would be lovely to have you along for the conversation. We'll see you next week.